Season 3, episode 28. In the last couple of years, this guy, this friend of mine, I've got to see his heart yeah. warm from the inside out. Snow glows white on the mountain night, not a footprint to be seen. A kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the king. The wind is howling like this swirling storm inside I couldn't keep it in, heaven knows I've tried Don't let them in, don't let them see Be the good guy you always had to be Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know Well now they know let it go, let it go Can't hold it back anymore Let it go, let it go Turn my back and slam the door And here I stand And here I'll stay Let it go, let it go The cold never bothered me anyway ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. My name is Russ Shaw. Interviewing my friend Pico today on the show. Um, in the past, I have been kind of, kind of, I have been critical of religion, right? Like, I have a hard time with religious people, religious institutions, organized religion, which a lot of, a lot of people would call the church, so to speak, right? Um... So I, I've had issues with that, and people have commented on that, and I've had some critical email about it in the past, um, some critical reviews of the show on iTunes mentioning this. And God, by His grace, and I don't know, maybe you guys were praying for me or something, or somebody was, <laughs> has put me in contact with a certain guy who, um, man, my, my life has been blessed by knowing this dude. Uh, we've been in a uh, community together for a few years now, and getting to know him and getting to know his story has really loosened up my heart a little bit on this matter. Because I used to think that, you know, okay, a guy who, who lost his virginity to his wife, right, that guy's probably sheltered. A guy who goes to a good college, right, he's probably had a, a silver spoon in his mouth, or he had really good, understanding, nurturing parents. I didn't have that, man. You know, so I've been kind of critical towards religious people because of that, right? Because of that, you know, you, you don't know how hard I had it kind of attitude. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to get into it, man. I'm going to play, play this interview with my friend Pico. And hopefully the audio's okay. I was using a new microphone, but uh, it's good. It's good stuff. And uh, here you go. Without further ado, some Lecrae bump kicking off the show here. Welcome to the culture where humility is not allowed. They do it big. If you don't see that, you shallow how. Trying to show them how love and power, it goes together. 
If they call us losers, that just means we last forever I've been connected to the power, I don't have to chase it I roll with a trinity, this is sort of the matrix A hard pill to swallow, we're evil to the core Wicked power exploits the poor and it brings war Power could be a field of dreams loaded with landmines We know the rulers so you can't say these are bad lines You might lust for that power But don't forget that we're forgiven I know the Lord gon' catch me when I'm power tripping who made the crowd put their hands in the sky? Me. Who made the sky with their hands? What if y'all can't see this? It's kind of strange. God makes the weather change and we bragging up on our change. Like, look how we make it rain. <laughs> we invictus, this sin, sickness is in us. Running the market, causing that mischief. Tell me this then, who can really fix us? I'm tripping to think that I'm really not limited in this position. I'm sitting in on gravity, pulling me back to earth. Gradually, reality's hitting. <laughs> ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is episode 38 of season 3 of the podcast. Here with my friend Pete O'Neill. Hey, how's it going? Good. It's good to have you, man. It's, it's, good, is, to uh, it's good to have a, a, a guy in front of me to interview. He's been doing these phone <laughs> interviews. We were just talking about that and how difficult that can be with the sound levels and all that stuff. Uh, sitting here in front of a brand new microphone, which is kind of awesome. It's actually my son's microphone. He bought it. But uh, borrowing it, using it for the podcast, and so it far, It is a pretty so sexy good. microphone, though. It is. It looks sharp. I think I'll take a picture of it and put it on the website. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pico, uh, again, welcome. Um, we, uh, we go back a ways, man. You and I, not a whole long ways, but... Being with the church and being in community group, I think mm-hmm. you and you and Bridget came along about what 2009, 2010. No, uh, yeah, it would be actually it's 2011 if oh, I remember yeah. correctly. Oh, wow, like uh, oh no, sorry, we were just talking about it, it was 2012. It's, it's, uh, it's only wow. been like two years for wow. us, like we just got baptized like uh, 2012, so it's it's not been that long for right. us. But it seems like it's that long because it's just you know when you live life together, just it just everything seems longer. We had a uh, we were having a discussion with one lady. She was like, "How long you two been married?" And I was like, "Well, you know, we're reaching three years now." She's like, "Oh man, it looks like you've been married like ten years, just the way you <laughs> like we live life together." It's like, "No, we haven't been married ten years." <laughs> right? How old are you, man? I am thirty one now. Thirty one. Yeah, my right. birthday was. Uh, um, Tuesday, Tuesday. And so yeah, I'm, I'm 31. I'm over the hill. You know, I'm just going downhill <laughs> now. It's like I got nothing else to live for. <laughs> Thirty, you're ancient to 31. Oh man, I tell I'm you, the what. old guy in the club now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so your story, man, your story intrigues me. You, uh, just getting into it, you grew up and and started out in Florida, right? Is that where yes. you were born? Yes, um, in uh, Fort La- uh, well. I was born in my uh, Miami, Florida, and then I was uh, raised mostly in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which uh, just the county above. So Miami, I think most people know about, but Fort Lauderdale is just the next county above, the next major city above Miami. Right. And brothers and sisters? I have one sister with the same mom and dad, three sister, three older sisters with the same dad, and um, a brother and sister with the same mom, again, older. Right. Yeah. Wow. So I'm the second youngest of all of them. <laughs> wow. So, uh, talk to me about your dad. You're, uh, y- you grew up, went to, went to school, public school down there, right? Mm-hmm. In Fort Lauderdale. What was that like? 
Um, it was interesting because uh, my my mom is an immigrant and she uh, would have issues with like you know getting a uh, getting jobs and um, people would you know because she didn't know all the intricacies of um, of working in America. Um, she wouldn't be able to always have money, and so we sometimes we couldn't afford rent, and we had to move to a new place. And so uh, it was interesting. Like back in elementary school, I did not keep the same school um, from year to year, and so that was it was like I wouldn't be able to get friends. I wouldn't be able to really keep friends because in a year I wouldn't see them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, middle school was the first time I actually stayed with the school the full time, and. For like a whole school year, for the kind of? for the full like um, three years, oh, like, wow. and that was like a act of God kind of thing. Like <laughs> right. we got to a place um, where like my mom needed to actually drive me to school because we were outside actually of the school's uh, district. But you know, we she she made an effort for that, and um, and the same thing for high school. Uh, no, actually for high school, I went to a magnet program, and so we just made sure we stayed in the southern part of the county. Uh-huh. Um, so that they would be able to, you know, pick me up wherever um, we did live. But it, it was interesting to grow up with, um, with my mom and the, and the circumstances that was. Right. Where was she from? She's from Jamaica. Jamaica. Yeah. Right. Kingston, uh, Kingston Bay, Kings Bay, Jamaica. Right. Yeah. And your dad? My dad's from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh huh. Yeah. So how did he find his way to Florida? That's a good story. It's, it's, it's actually part of the story of um, like where where my name come from. I just don't know. Like uh-huh. my understanding, my 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 s- simple understanding is that he got in some legal trouble. Like he had a choice of either you know leaving the state or basically you know getting arrested for a long time, and so he chose to leave the state. Right. And I don't know why he got to Florida. I don't know you know what method. Like did he like oh I'm going to Florida and and that's you know like. Florida bus or was it one of those things like because of circumstances and whatnot he somehow got into Florida I don't really know he doesn't really talk about it um so I wish I had more of a story but I don't know (laughs) (laughs) so uh your mom and dad got divorced then actually they are not divorced they're not divorced they're not divorced but they split they're not living together kind um, of a thing right now well the thing is is my dad was uh, um, arrested for multiple times and um, as I was growing up and when I in fact when my mom and dad were married they were married while he was in jail uh-huh. and so um, my mom mostly when I'd say grew up most of the time it was, I talk about my mom because my dad was mostly in jail He's a career criminal, and so um, I remember one time he like he uh, I was I don't know playing like Nintendo, and he comes up, and my friend's like, "Who is that?" Oh, it's like, "Oh, it's my dad." But it's like, you know, I'm I'm so used to him not being there. It was it was like you you kind of expect, oh, he's gonna he's gonna go to jail soon, so you know, don't don't get too attached, right. you know, and so. Um, my uh-huh. my mom and dad are not even now are not um, divorced or anything, but um, because my mom has said because of financial reasons and stuff like that, but right. they essentially are divorced right now. Um, my dad he lives his lifestyle, and my mom tries to take care of my sister and stuff. So what was that like growing up? I mean, when was the first time you remember your dad going to jail and being a kid and um, dealing with the uh, 
I, ramifications of that. What was that like? Uh, I remember being very, very ashamed of my dad. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, it's, I, I, it's, it's one thing if you don't know who your dad is, but it's nothing you know who your dad is, but he is not there. Right. And you and you kind of know, like, he, he made a choice for a reason why he's not there. Um, I, I, it probably is different in, like, a mob family where you, like, that's the lifestyle you live. Right. Um, but it, it's, like, you had my mom, who was a big influence for us, uh, for, for me. And, you know, it's just like, oh, your dad did some stuff, and that's the reason why he's in jail. It's like, well, why didn't he want to stay with us? Like, it was one of those things, like, so he didn't love us enough to stay, like, he didn't love us enough to not do those stuff and stay right. with us? Like, because um, my, my dad's really smart. He's a really smart guy, and um, he's really handy and, and capable, and he, he's one of those guys that, like, can figure out a way to make a deal. Like, one of those, right. like, um, not not like in a in a, a cheesy car salesman way, but he get, he's one of those guys that can always make a way to make a job. And it's just like, it's really cool to see when he works. Like, how did you make that happen? But he, he does. Yeah. Uh, but he also gets him in trouble because he's always trying to make a deal. You know, you know, even when he's, you know, he he gets a speeding ticket. And he's trying to make a deal to get out of the speeding ticket. It's like, you can't sell a cop. You know? It's <laughs> like, you got to figure that out. And yeah. so it's just um, being raised with, you know, my mom is like, one, you kind of feel slightly ashamed of your dad. Like, why would he do that? And, you know, how do you explain that? Yeah, it's like, well, my, my dad's in jail. And at that time, you know, especially as a kid, you feel so alone. Like, you see kids with their dads. Of course, you don't see kids without their dads. But you, you as a kid who don't have a dad, essentially, you feel like other kids who have their dads, like, you're alone. You're the only one that has this issue. And so it is, um, I remember, you know, like, saying, like, oh, he's away, or, like, kind of make him, like, a truck driver, like, oh, he's constantly away, or, or, like, he's in the military, he's away. Yeah. Instead of saying the truth of, oh, no, he's in jail, um, because of X, Y, and Z, because you have that shame, like, oh, my goodness, I can't talk about my dad, because everyone else has their dad, and I'm the only one without it, so, yeah. um, kind of just... So having to kind of make that. excuses for Yeah, you had to make or? excuses. Well, you I mean, didn't I lie thought, about him, you didn't feel like you needed no, to I lie? No, I lied about him. I lied about him. Oh, like, did you? Like I said, I was, <laughs> I was making him right. seem like a, either a truck driver or a salesman, or oh, right. one of those professions that's constantly away, um, instead Which of Which is the kind truth. of the truth. Oh, well, yeah. It's sort of, you know... Well, he actually is kind of a salesman, um, but, um... But it, I guess being a career criminal is like I've not talked to guys who are career criminals, and uh, that's kind of part of the deal. I remember there was a line in a movie that I remember that was so, and I've used this before with some of my friends who were still into dealing drugs and stuff at the time when I got out of it, and uh, it, and the guy said the guy the line in the movie was the guy was like he was bragging about how much money he made on his last job. He's like I made thirty grand in like a week, you know, yeah. planning this job, and we did this job, and I made thirty grand, and his buddy goes. Okay, but last time you went to jail, how long were you in jail? He said five years. <laughs> and he goes, so you made thirty grand in a week or in five years in a week, right? Like that's part of the deal. If you're yeah. going to be in that lifestyle, you yeah. got to realize that there's a time where. I mean, you know, I kind of, I kind of joke about it, but I mean, I'm I'm really big into video games. Uh -huh. and I kind of joke about it with, uh, when I talk to people about Grand Grand Theft Auto, and they say, oh, it's an evil game, and and this, that, and third, it's like. It's not an evil game. It just shows life. Yeah. And, well, it, sh it shows a very kind of, uh, um, 
you know, uh, buyers of portion of life is like, you can you can be a criminal and you make a lot of money. Now here's the thing that happens in real life: you can go to jail or you die, and you don't just respond. You know, it's yeah, just, exactly. That's the problem. Like, <laughs> or you could do like tow cars around and stuff like that, uh, especially in the last GTA, and you don't make as much money as fast. Yeah. So there's just that reality. That's how your your life plays out. Yeah. So uh, I, I I'm gonna address it because a lot of people it's in the it's in the national con- yeah. consciousness yeah. the issue of race yeah so you're you're a black guy yeah. growing up in Florida yep. having these issues with you with your your pops and, yep. and and your mom and stuff and and how did that play out in, in school and stuff like that were you kind of judged more Do you um, feel that or you know the thing is I didn't feel it um is it. Is is something I wasn't aware of until my dad make it made me aware of it. Right. Um, I would talk to my dad in jail. We would go. Uh, he'd be transferred to. So like I said, we lived in uh, Southern Florida, and he'd be transferred to Central and Georgia. I don't know the reasons why he was transferred to these different places, but uh, we would go and drive. We would basically make day and weekend trips to go and see him, and he would he like when as I grew older and, and became a teenager he's like oh you're you know you're a black man and you need to be a strong black man and um and then it was like the 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 issue with that I had with that I was like well you're you you claim to be a strong black man but you're in the situation you're in right and so I kind of um, took that position and kind of countered it. It's like, well, if that's what it's going to be, be to be a black, a strong black man, I'm not going to associate with black. Right. You know, my my race no longer matters. I'm going to fight that so that I don't go the same route that he did. Because he, did he make excuses or? or yeah, it kinda... was a lot of excuses. It was like, oh, the man's keeping me down or, you know, you, you see what these crackers are doing and Right. Um, you know, it's, it's just like it was this whole kind of, um, it's this whole kind of agenda thing where it's like, oh, it's because of the the white agenda, right? Like, it's to keep us down. It's like, you know, I know there's some legitimacy out there. There's things that happen, but the simple thing is like, not everything that happens is is because of that, like <laughs> because of race. Right? You know, it's like. The reason why you got a ticket is because you were speeding. Like, <laughs> were you going over the speed limit? Then that's the reason why you got a ticket. And it was. It doesn't matter if it was a white cop or a black cop or whatnot, yeah. or if you're white or black. It's just that. And so, the way I kind of grew up in that is that, um, like I said, is that I, I was anti-black. And so, um, a lot of times, and it became interesting as I went to college is that we had, um, we had a lot of initiatives to kind of, you know, promote this minority kind of uh, um, minority uh, technical professionals and I would be kind of against them like no I don't want to be associated with that um, because I do not identify by my race right. I don't need that um, I, I don't want to be a, I don't want um, special favors special favors like I earned my way and this is also during the time of um, affirmative action and so the, the question would come up was like is the reason why you went to college or you got into your college because you're black or because you were actually that good, and it's like I. When you when you when you make race that it, it does become that it's like it. People question it. People question it, and you you felt that. Yeah. But before before college, man, uh, your your story is fascinating to me because you know you didn't grow up with the the most the silver spoon in your mouth. 
you know <laughs> you didn't grow up with all the opportunity and you, you, yeah. you weren't the star captain on the football team no. or anything like that <laughs> right no but you graduated from from high school yep with with pretty good grades yeah yeah i think i probably had i mean, hopefully i get I get this wrong someone's going to google it oh, <laughs> you were wrong here um i think i had like two b's and and uh, I think one C back in college, like one, uh, uh, no, in last year of, of, of senior year, I was like, oh, we gotta accept the college. I'm good. Like I don't need to worry about this anymore. Right. Um, and so I think I had one C, but uh, yeah, it was it was everything else. It was, it was A's, A's, A pluses, A minuses, kind of thing. So you went directly from high school into college. Yes. And then you went to the military before yeah. before the military yeah. was was college but not just any college you were accepted into <laughs> that's, my, yeah. that's my thing yeah like i know a guy that went to mit this yeah. is this is pico pico went to mit mm-hmm. uh engineering right you got mm-hmm. into engineering you're kind of a you're kind of a math whiz you're like a human calculator <laughs> <laughs> sort of oh uh, i is, is one of those things like i i guess so it is like i um like i have my wife and and, and we have um you know, we'll talk about math and stuff. I'm like, oh, you just simply do this. And she's like, I don't, I don't get that. Like, <laughs> it's just like, it, it's, it's one of those weird things. Like, I guess I am, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if I am, you know, it's just, it is, it, it became, it came easier to me. Right. Than, definitely than, um, language and literature and stuff like that. So that's so. your gifting. You know? Yeah. That's your, yeah. you're gifted towards that kind of putting numbers together and, how things fit together and yeah. stuff like that. I can see it better. So how did that come about? How did you get, you know, get, you went, because you had to go to what, uh, MIT is Massachusetts, right? Yep, you yep. Moved to um, Massachusetts. You have no money. I mean, yeah. you grew up in a house with no money. Did you have a job? I mean, how did how did all that I did have out? a you job. You got a scholarship? I, had, um, I did not have a scholarship. I had a job. I had a scholarship in Florida. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't, it was one of those things, like, I didn't know about scholarships, so I didn't apply to them, uh-huh. and so uh, I just had a whole bunch of loans. So um, did you have undergrad in Florida then, or? Oh, uh, no, I I, uh, I I went to uh, Boston. I could have done undergrad in Florida, and it would be uh, completely paid for. Um, that's just part of the state, but I just, I didn't go. Right. Um, I and had, MIT is way better than <laughs> community <laughs> college in Florida, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um... But it's just like it was just one of those things I wasn't aware of. Uh, I don't know why I wasn't aware of. I just I, I read a um, U.S. News and Report and said for this particular g- degree because I wanted to be an astronaut at that time. I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to. I saw a rocket um, and I was like, oh man, that's awesome. I'm like, right. I want to do that. And so I looked at the best colleges for aerospace engineering. These are the three best in the nation, and this is the best in the state. And so I applied to those four colleges and I got accepted to those four colleges and um, I went with Massachusetts Institution of Technology not thinking about even how much it costs like that's that's not even something I was even thinking about Uh, it was just like I was just so used to you go to school and it's paid for Uh right Public school in the U.S. It's yeah. kind of like that. Yeah, we, it's just you, we it's don't have to pay anything to go to public school. It's just there. Yeah. And so there's no question of, oh, you need, you know, and, and it's not even something that I, like my mom even brought up. It's like, oh, you need to go get get a scholarship to pay for college, or you need to save up to pay for college. That was even a, a discussion we had. So, um, to even 
that so that wasn't even brought out into the discuss. You know, that wasn't even a thought in, in the in the big scheme of things. Right. So, why MIT? That was just kind of a, a goal that uh, you you shot for, or like I said, it was, it was you, in you the, sent out. It was in the U.S. News report. So, uh-huh. if the U.S. News report said Caltech, I would have went to Caltech. Right. If it said <laughs> you know uh, Michigan Institute of Trucking, I went went to the Michigan Institute of Trucking. Like the only reason why I chose MIT wasn't necessarily because of its proudness, but the reason of its proudness. It's proudness led to it being on the this article, but uh, it wasn't like, oh, man, I'm going to MIT. Like, I didn't realize then, like, what was happening. Right. Know? Like, right. It, it's, uh, of course, in a very minor thing, it's, it's kind of like the people who go, like, you you look at interviews of people who went to World War Two. It's like, we didn't, we just did what we were supposed <laughs> to, to do. Right. Like, it wasn't. It wasn't like we realized what was happening, right? You know, it was for the for the most part. So I mean, you, you things happen and they kind of were responding to it, but you don't really like realize what's happening. And then now later on, you're like, oh man, that was amazing. Um, and you that, worked really hard. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big bill yeah. as far as yeah. tuition's concerned. So you were going to school mm-hmm. and uh, and working right at yeah. the time. Yeah. So how 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 much did you work? Did you have any time to? Um, to I, yourself, or I, I think, I think I was working thirty, maybe forty hours a week. I can't remember exactly how many hours a week, but I worked every night. I had two different jobs, um, and it was it was it was two reasons. One, I was kind of I needed to support myself. Like, um, I, I didn't I, again. I didn't know how financial aid really worked. Uh-huh. I thought I only paid for tuition. I didn't know you can get financial aid to t- take care of yourself too. And so I had to work to take care of, like, I needed food. And so um, I worked for that. And, and two was um, when I, as I was growing up, um, I always helped my mom. Like, my mom always, she needed help. And so I worked also to help my mom. Like, it was routine to send hundreds of dollars back home. Right. Like, that was just part of, that was part of the responsibility of being my mom's son. It's right. like it's just this is what you do, and um, so that's also part of the reason why I worked. Like I needed to support that, and I needed to sustain that um, because that's what it was. All right. So Christian home? No, no. not really. Um, <laughs> my my mom was raised in the Christian home, uh-huh. and um, uh, Jamaica. There's a lot of Catholicism in, yeah. in that part of the world. Yeah. So where she wore? No, actually, she was Seventh Day Adventist. Oh wow. Um, and so, uh, she was raising raising that home, and uh, um, dad was very abusive and um, kind of yelling. And I don't remember the exact reason why my mom left, but she she left and he hit her. Um, I I, I, exa- I don't I don't know. Sure. I, I remember one of my uncles was chased out because he was being chased with a machete. Wow. Um, so that's the reason why he left. But I don't know the the exact reason why uh, my mom left. It, I I think it was one of the I remember one. It was it was like eighteen. She left, but I don't know the exact all the details around it. If she was just fed up and like I'm going to America now and screw this, or or if it was something like, you know, um, something like my uncle. She was chased off with a machete or whatever. So right. I really don't know the details about that. But um, 
I'm sorry. What, what was the question? <laughs> just the, the the abusive kind of situation that she was involved in, and, and yeah, it's just you so, saw growing up, and yeah, from my from my dad's perspective, I saw that like my dad's very uh, verbally abusive, and um, um, and some of your your sexual history, like this is some of the stuff that you, your dad brought yeah out in the open with your sexual history that wasn't that that healthy either. Yeah, if yeah. you don't mind talking about that a little bit, because um, everybody gets educated sexually yeah. it's funny how the public schools will you know sit you down and like this is what a penis is and that's what a vagina is and they put up these big charts and the kids all chuckle and stuff the funny thing is is i remember going through sexual education in public school when i was like 12 years old and, and you know like we already all know that stuff everybody's already making jokes about it but they're trying to you know they're trying to prepare people for yeah. for you know procreation and starting a family and stuff like that but there's those those hints of of misunderstanding mm. and sometimes just joking around or abusive talk yeah, or yeah. sometimes guys get to talk and you know um talk about that a little bit how was your dad when when it came to sex did he sit Is you it, down and talk about the birds and the bees or no it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> even that it was like um it was one of those things like you know you need to get out there and and and, and try them out like like they're like women are cars almost like right you need or to, shoes or something yeah you need to test it out to see if it, it works out my dad don't talk like that but um <laughs> it, it's like you need to test them out to see which one is a, is a good fit for you um it's like no like so uh, like uh, since like i was saying earlier is since my dad had this whole I was partly ashamed of my dad. Uh, not partly. I was ashamed of my dad. And so with that, I would... Anything he represented, I would be against. Uh -huh. And so um, so the, the kind of things on my sexual history is like, as my dad would say this, like, you need, you know, to test women. I was like, no, no. So it was like, it's not even... I wanted to treat women because they were they're valuable and they need to be treated right and they need to be respected. I wanted to treat women well, so I wouldn't be like my dad. <laughs> right. So it's not even a good reason, like uh, you know, <laughs> opening the door for women, like ha, this is like people so not my dad. Yeah, so not my dad. Uh, so it's like it's not even about that woman or or whatnot. So it's just it's it's one of those weird kind of things. But um, so and it's just it's not something it's not something I ever had to struggle with. Right. Um, you know, dealing with sex or or whatnot, it wasn't. Like I, I mean I, I had the the situations where like you know you go to, um, try to get the the scramble channels to to show and yeah. uh, Skinamax and whatever. Right. But it wasn't like oh man it's it's, it's Thursday night I need to get my Skinamax <laughs> fixed. Like it wasn't like that. Uh, at least when I was growing up, it's not something I, I struggled with. Um, but, so like my sexual history was always just I'm not gonna be my dad. Right. And so like my. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm technically a bastard. I was had out of wedlock, and so I was like, no, I'm not gonna have children out of wedlock. So I wouldn't have sex. Right. right? And so my my whole reason for um, uh, uh, not that's having that's a horrible, uh, horrible label, by the way. What the the bastard term? is oh, just yeah. a horrible. Well, it's just it, it, it's, but you kind of felt that growing up. Or, or um, it was kind of an underlying thing that you didn't want to. I don't like, know. I'm so not gonna have kids uh, without a mom and dad that love them, kind of thing. Is that? It was. It was that. There was that too. Like yeah. I, I, I want my kids to know that that they're loved. I want my right. kids to know that I, I, I did everything for them. I right. want my kids to know that um, 
that, you know, if if I ever did get arrested or, 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 or you know, taken out or for whatever reason I'm not there, it's not because I made a choice that I, like, it, it, it's like, um, what is it? It's like something in the second degree. The second degree is like a person should reasonably know that this will lead to this. Right. Like, the children, I want my children to know that if if, if there was a reason why I got taken out or, or, or I'm no arm, I'm incarcerated, it wasn't because that's something I reasonably would know would lead to that. Right. You know? And so, um, I think if I ever did get a, a woman pregnant, I would have married her on the spot just so, you know, that day, the children would be taken care of. Right. Again, not even because I, I love that woman. It was me. <laughs> It'll be more because um, doing the right thing, doing the right thing. You know, yeah. get, uh, this is the right thing. I need to get married and take care of the children. So. so that's a big reason I, I wanted to have you on Pico is something I used to uh, end every show with was uh, life is twenty percent what happens to you and eighty percent how you react to mm-hmm. it. In my in my recovery, being a, a complete jacked up sex addict that I was. Um, it's funny, recovering from drugs and alcohol was a different story than recovering from the, the sexual stuff. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, looking back, it's kind of like recovering from drugs and alcohol, it seemed like my my higher power, is to use that term from, mm-hmm. from 12-step or recovery, being Jesus Christ, he was kind of a, a like a bit player, in, in, in a supporting actor in my story. But I still had this sex thing that, that I so struggled with. And one of the underlying attitudes that I continually had was, like, you don't know my pain, you know? You don't know my story. You don't know my history. You don't know the, the jacked-up circumstances I, I was grow, grew up in. Yeah. And you and I have talked on, on this, this matter before, and, and you came from kind of the same, if not more jacked-up than my story, yet... You you fought it like, and that's epistemology. I'm going to use this this term. It's a term from philosophy, and it's something I want listeners to kind of think about. Um, Pico, you're not a sex addict. Mm-hmm. You didn't get into drugs, and you you've never been to jail or in a in a recovery group. Yeah. Um. But but your epistemology, uh, which is basically the study of knowing. That's what that word means. Why what we know. Yeah. Why we know it, and and getting back to learning what really is true in life you yep. know what what is going to spawn on that that 20 that 80 percent you know 20 percent's my history 80 percent's how i react to my yep. history so that's a lot of what you and i talked about so you you and bridget got married um where did you you guys meet anyway she's um we uh met back in our old church um just you know so you moved to boston uh i moved to boston uh graduated uh-huh. And um, my first assignment in the Navy was to be out here in Everett, Washington. And so I was, I moved out here. Right. And um, well, I, let's go back. How did, wh- wh- why did you join the Navy? <laughs> you get, you um, get out of MIT, you graduated uh, with pretty good uh, honors, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I did well uh-huh. at, uh, at MIT. And the, the reason why I, um, I joined the military is, um, you know, my my mom is an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad is a, a and not a privileged immigrant. She she you know kind of you know the the classic American story kind of immigrant. And then um, my dad's a career criminal, and this country allowed for their son to graduate from one of the most prestigious colleges 
in the in, world. In, in the world. Yeah. And that's not available in a lot of places. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like um, your your class determines where you go. Um, in some places, you know, the amount of money you have determines where you go. I, I know sometimes that that seems one and the same, but they're slightly different. And um, or if you know if you're a desired race or whatnot, that determines where you're going. That that wasn't the case here. Um, and so, um, I, one of the cool things is that I actually, um, back in high school, I actually signed up for the Marine Corps and the, my Marine Corps recruiter found out I got sent to the MIT. We were trying for ROTC scholarship for whatever reason I didn't get, I didn't get it. I think it's more because we didn't turn in the right form at the right time. And my Marine Corps recruiter tore up my contract because he's like, I never knew anyone that got accepted to MIT. I'm not going to do that. Like, dude, wow. you have more important things to do than go and be a foot soldier. And right. just, of course, you know, this is kind of one of those 2020 things. Uh, looking back, it's 2020. Uh, hindsight is 2020 is because that was the same year that 9-11 happened. So oh, I would have wow. been, you know. Sent to Afghanistan. You know, sent, probably. sent to Afghanistan. Front lines. And, and front yeah. lines. And who knows what would have happened there. Um, but um, God had other things for me to do. And right. so um, I went to MIT, and the Navy paid for uh, part of my college. I, I, I originally was trying to go for Marine Corps, and um, I, I was going to be a pilot because I wanted to be an astronaut. That was one of the big things I wanted to do. And I thought the Marine Corps didn't have the plane I wanted, so I switched over to the Navy because they had the plane I wanted. And... Then it turned out that I didn't want to be a pilot, so that became his own thing. <laughs> right. Uh, but but you move here, so yep. you're you're stationed here in Everett. Yep. And you meet uh, you meet Bree, mm -hmm. who's kind of got more of my story. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. Issues it's, with it's drugs and alcohol. Similar, yeah. And, yeah <laughs> right. So uh, how did that play out? I mean, how did you fall in love with this this? Um, I thought Bri I thought uh, uh, Bree um, was like me, uh -huh. um, and it, it's it's funny because like I remember there was this one specific question I asked her. It's like, um, have you ever done any drugs? Uh huh. And she said she said yes. I heard no. <laughs> right. Because selective was, hearing. There was selective hearing, and, right. and, and that actually was a deal breaker for me. Oh wow! At that time, like. Yeah. I would not date anyone who would be a drug. Like, how dare you be addicted to drugs? Do you know what that does to your body? Like, that's the kind of yeah. attitude I had at that time. And so, if I heard yes, that that relationship would have been done. Right. And for whatever reason, it wasn't. I think, it, like I said, I think God had better plans for me, um, better than I knew. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't realize how religious I was and um, um, how judgmental I was, uh, and I still am. And um, and so just there's just things that, and there's also things she just didn't tell me about. Like, right. That, you know, that she has this history, like like you said, and that there's these things that has happened. There's thing there's things she has done, um, that make her feel dirty. Uh -huh. Um, and so some of it was just selective hearing. Some of it was selective telling. <laughs> And so, um, with that, somehow it worked out that, you know, we, we, we fell in love and we, we were like, okay, we're going to make this work and get married. Uh -huh. And then as we were married, now more of this stuff is coming out and, um, 
is now since I already said you know I'm going to do the right thing like so I something that I think my dad would do is like oh this is not what I signed up for I'm going to get divorced I'm going to go and find someone else it's like no I'm not going to do that I'm going to stay in because that's what the good guy would do and right. that's not what my dad would do and so um, and so it's just kind of like forced through stuff even if it's not necessarily for the right reason right you know so you were involved in a, in a church at that time, yes. or yes. and it was a, was this kind of playing off some of your your mom's Seventh Day Adventist stuff, or it's, it's actually kind of similar. Um, so the the Seventh Day Adventists, I mean, of course they have a range, just like any other uh, denomination, but the Seventh Day Adventists are known for being very strict, uh-huh. and um, so the the church I went to was is very strict, and you know this is the way we do things, and this is the way things are supposed to happen. And, and people who don't do things this way um, aren't necessarily evil, but they aren't doing it right. And right. so it's just... They're and they're not, probably all going to hell. They're probably all going to hell anyway. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not godly. Yeah. And so um, so that's also part of the reason of, of, of my, you know, prejudice towards certain things. And so, like, there's no way... It was kind of even some of those assumptions. just like, there's no way a woman that's in this church would do those things. So she right. must be a good catch. Right, right. So you found yourself uh, in that church, but really struggling with some of the the religion and the teaching of that church as far as grace and how relationships actually work in the real world. Yeah. Like, I I feel you, and I, and I, I grew up in a, in a church that was sort of like that, and it felt like, um, like God loves the good people mm-hmm. and not so much like there's people that... that God's done with or and then there's so, so there seems to be this energy like we have to do our best to be really good yeah. and screw the rest of the world yeah. <laughs> you know it's kind of like there's no blessed assurance yeah, yeah. right like you're constantly on some treadmill trying to prove your, how good you it, are yeah. and right being a good person and it's all about image and, yep. and and stuff on the surface so what what made you um Come to Mars Hill Church. You're, you're. It's kind of like our, our friend John was saying: is yeah. if there's any church that's so in your face about Jesus Christ being Savior, and how and how religion is just this horrible, you know, like a like a cancer on humanity, it, it's it's our church. So we're going to talk about Jesus, and, and it's in, and we're going to focus on on what the the not focus on spend too much time on that but really help people see how religion is is as a bad i'm talking about toxic religion yeah. talking about works based yeah. Yeah. being good enough um not understanding the grace of god yeah. and really defining love in a way that's more self-focused yeah. than outwardly focused right i mean um I, I mean i'll speak from my point of view my my wife had a slightly different point of view um and of course, she's not here, so I can't speak for her. Right. But um, the the thing that was the thing that was issue for me was that <clears throat> we talk about husbands should love their wives, uh-huh. and that the husband leads leads the family. But then practically, the wives were leaving the family, and the husbands were mummering, you know, mummering about their wives. Right. And it's just like. What's really going on? Yeah, like there's a there's an issue with the way you're teaching and the way you're living, right? And like, it looks good on the surface. It, it looks good on the surface, but it's not real. Yeah, 
And so, um, it, it's, it's, I, I'm going to not talk about the full song. I'm going to try to, you know, protect depart. Bridget's. Um, yeah, she well, not only that, it's just it's a long story, kind of. Right. And right. so, um, but I'm just trying to. I'm going for the, your heart, like your yeah. attitude towards. Like, so, what was the breaking point to say well, I'm freaking done with these self righteous? Because you're you. We've talked about this. Like you, you struggle with that kind of yeah. self righteousness. I do too, a bit. Right. I, I've I've seen that in my recovery. Yeah. yeah. But it, it is. It's getting to the heart of the issue. Yeah. And what, what, I guess what was the breaking point? Would be and that's the thing is, uh, like, um, so um, Bridget and I got part of uh, Amway. Of, right. Of all We've things. talked about that. It's, it's we and I were both in the, in the Amway business. Um, and we, was, could, we could spend an hour on that. <laughs> but we won't. That's for another podcast. <laughs> that's for another um, podcast. That's right. No, uh, so, so here we are. We're at Amway. Uh-huh. These people are, you know, kind of your kind of your everyday Christian. I mean, I don't know if they went to church or whatnot. Right. And, and, and in fact, church was kind of a thing you did. It, was, it wasn't It was even like you went to church because you really wanted to meet God. You went to church because you should go to church. I don't know why. Right. Um, kind of a coaching thing. Maybe. Yeah, kind of a coaching thing. God's on your team and wants to be prosperous. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> and so, but the thing is, is that even though I see the lie that people are saying from stage. What was the lie? Uh, uh, the lie was saw. that, you know, Basically, prosperity is going to make your life better. Right. That with more money, monetary, right. monetary, like with more money, with all this stuff, life, your it's life gonna is going to get better. Solve all your problems, yeah. man. Like the the way to a better marriage is to build a business. Right. And it's like, well, how many people build businesses and just fail? Like their marriages just get destroyed and have like that's not true. Like what right. are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. Um, it's like. You know, if I show you what kind of car I had that will motivate you, it's like, no, it doesn't. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just all these different things. But yet, I still had a better affinity towards these people than these people who are spe- supposedly speaking God's truth. Like, why Why is that? There was this contention, like, even though I know these people are, are, are lying, not necessarily, they, don't get me wrong, it's not like they're necessarily nefarious and they were trying yeah, to... Yeah, we're not bagging on the animal yeah. business. There's some good things about it, yeah. but there is some, um, you know, there's, there's just, prosperity there's, stuff that yeah, just there's, there's goes across his line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, there was a... Yeah, I had a greater affinity towards these people. So there, there was an issue. Like, why am I not having the affinity with my people in my church? Um, even though I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, and um, um, I remember my um, my upline was like, "Maybe you're going to the wrong church," right. and I was like, "Wait, that might be a problem." Yeah. Of course, he said it in a way like, you know, the church is not supporting you, so you need to go to another church. But God was using it to be like, "No, maybe you are at the wrong church because the people just don't care about me." Right. And so it was interesting. I, uh, you know, since I was in the Amway, I was, you know, I would go out and try to talk to people and all that. And I remember one time I was coming back and I stopped at a restaurant real quick because it was late and Bridget was probably asleep. And so <clears throat> I sitting down and met this guy and we were kind of just talking about, you know, what's going on in our lives. And we brought up Jesus and the guy was like, yeah, I go to Mars Hill. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I, I looked it up and checked it out and watched a few sermons. And Bridget's like, who's that yelling? <laughs> I was like, oh, that's Pastor Mark. I'm like, oh, okay, that's weird. And so uh, I went, I went to, uh, I, I went during, um, I went to a few sermons and I was like, oh, okay, this is nice. And they were having a marriage things and we were having issues with our marriage and we just didn't know how to talk to each other. Like, right. you know, like I said, I, 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 
I have a proclivity towards religion, towards this is you do the right things, and and that's what happens. And my wife has a more a proclivity towards you, well, whatever feels good, and so that's just they they counteract right? each other all the time. It's like I don't do things because they feel good. I do things because it's the right thing to do. And then the it's funny how like, God puts people together exactly. like that. Right? It's just <laughs> why are we together? What's going on? We're not perfect for each other. But anyway, yeah. it's just weird things you do, uh, or you say to yourself. But anyway. Um, and so we got to we watched the the, the first one of, of what is called the real marriage series, and you know they were saying you know men you, you pray over your wives, and that was the first sermon is that we were praying over our wives, and Bridget's like just crying like this is where we need to be, and so um, for a period of time Bridget was like I'm done, um, and so she stayed at Mars Hill only. And I would go back and forth between the two, yeah. um, trying to rectify like what's going on, and 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 one one church is saying Jesus is not God, and one church is saying Jesus is God, and so they didn't believe all in the Trinity as, they a, as no, a, they yeah. didn't believe in the Trinity, um, and so there's there's all these different things that conflict, but it's like the the people the people I was dealing with at Mars Hill were living the life that they were speaking about. Right. I mean, yeah, they weren't perfect. They were They were but, honest. But they were honest. Yeah. Like, this is something I have an issue with. Uh-huh. Like, it's... I, I'm, I'm struggling with being... Um, I'm struggling with, with believing God's going to support me in this. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been unemployed for a year. I don't see where God's finally coming through. Like, there's these issues that people are having and they were being honest with it. Right. And... And you had other people in our old church where they were having issues with their marriage, but they didn't say that. Like, right. no, we're, we're fine. It's like, no, you're not. Yeah, you're he not. cheated on you. Like, why? What do you mean you're fine? Like, you can't be fine after someone cheats on you. That's not, that's a psychopath, yeah. <laughs> you know? But that's the way we were taught. It's like, you, you don't talk about real things. Right. And so... When 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 you saw that reality, you know, I eventually had to leave our old church, and so, um, that's kind of what, that's kind of what God uses. Is is weird. Is is through through the Amway business. It, it's just that reality. Of like you can speak about real things, right? And if they're not speaking about real things, maybe that's not the right place to be. Maybe right. it's not a real place to be. Yeah. So. So. Uh... You you left that church and 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 now at Mars Hill you're you're expecting a baby. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Got, yes. got a baby on the way, which yep. is awesome. You and Bree, but you and I talked about some of that. Uh, you struggling with the self righteousness. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of that. Like what what does it mean to like repent of of religion? Because you've grown, man. I'm, <clears throat> since I've known you, you've grown, dude. Just um, being honest and real, and and you and Bridget just. You're you're fitting together more, better than you used to. Not that we all I, fit I'm together glad, like puzzle know. pieces, <laughs> but you are. You know, it's kind of like God. God yeah. puts two people together. Like my wife and I yeah. are, are yeah. much like you and, yeah. and Bree. And it's kind of like you, you. God puts two people together. We grind each other out like freaking sparks are flying off. And <laughs> but eventually, it, it starts to mold together. Yeah. And that's kind of what I've seen with yeah. with you and your wife. Uh, but what? It's it always that like question, to, like people ask, like, why do people like the iron sharpened iron verse? <laughs> right. Like, do you realize how destructive that is? Like, have right. you ever seen iron been sharpened? It just is it, ah, it hurts your ears. But um, no, it's just like like uh, one one thing I, I we we talked about is I, I 
Because this is epistemology, like I said. Yeah. Like, you know, this is your your whys and your hows and your what and how you got to this place. Mm. Like you were saying, your your um, you know you know what I'm saying. Like getting to these places, it's, it's almost blocks a, a deeper relationship, yeah. doesn't it? When you're, you know, yeah, right. Um, so like like a, we've talked about before is, I have issues with seeing God as as father because uh-huh. I mean I didn't have a, a, a father who was really invested in me. Um, but I had no problem seeing God as king. Like, he's in authority. And so that kind of feeds into self-righteousness is that... Um, and the way I was raised is, like, you do things because it's the right thing to do. You don't do things because you feel like it. Right. And so uh, the way my self-righteousness would work out is that I would do the right things. And so that would make me a good person. Uh-huh. And so... Um, you know, being here at Mars Hill and challenging that, and they they specifically say you need to repent of your religion, and be like, wait, what? <laughs> right. What are you talking about? Like, how can I repent of my religion? Um, but it's like that. The reason why you have a savior is because you you're not good enough. Yeah. And and the the good things don't make you good. The good things are just like. I was just thinking earlier. I'm sorry. I, I know I'm not making a consistent point, but oh, no, this I'm getting is good. To, you know, it's like the 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 problem with morality is that you try and get God's blessing without the relationship, right? And, it's and then like, you wouldn't need God if you, you could do it, right? Exactly. <laughs> and it's just like it, it's just that I was not trying to relate with God. I was not trying to make that relationship because God is King. You just you you make your request before the King, before the Mayor, before the President, but you don't you don't talk to them. You don't. You know, you don't have a conversation back and forth um, because that's not what a king does. He has more important things to do. And so finally, as 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 God has just shown me that he does actually love me and he does care for me, um, it, it's, it's, it, it's become easier to see that I don't need to be a good person to get God's love. God will love me on my own. Like right. it wasn't unlike my... And I'm not saying this is the attitude my dad had, but this is the attitude I thought my dad, or I, I attribute to my dad. I was like, I thought my dad didn't want to be with us because we weren't good enough. Wow, yeah. And that's the reason why he did this. That's the reason why he was willing to be arrested or do stuff to be arrested and go away for a long time. Um, because we weren't good enough children. Like, if we were better children, he would he would have changed his mind. Maybe, right. maybe if I, I didn't poop my pants when I was three years old, maybe he would have... Not you know maybe he would have become a doctor or maybe he would become a salesman and not right. left us, um, but God's not like that. God God is there with us and even if we do poop our pants when you know I'm 31 years old, um, <laughs> it doesn't mean that God's like oh my goodness who are you like get away yeah. from me is, um, and so with that with, with seeing God as a father which I, again I I still have issues with, um, it. It allows the self-righteousness to no longer be important. Right. It allows it to no longer be about, you know, oh, I, I know this many verses of the Bible. I I, uh, I have done this for the needy. I've done this for the poor. It, it becomes more like, um, well, you know, God, where do you want me to be? Right. And and how how can we be there? Yeah. How can how can I serve you? Yeah. Because I mean, you're a cool guy. So. Right. What what does that look like? That's one of the one of the verses I had picked out for this interview is Romans eight twenty eight that we have all heard on the it's kind of a coffee cup verse people mm-hmm. call it that, that that God works all things out for good for those who are, you know are called according to His purpose mm-hmm. and 
you know, your story, again, has touched me just knowing you and stuff and, and you and Bree and your new kind of definition of freedom, mm-hmm. so to speak, when it comes to relationship, when it comes to your relationship with your creator, yeah. first of all, and how that kind of flows down into how you've, you're learning to treat your wife and mm-hmm. become a dad. Yeah, you were kind of scary. A, <laughs> afraid of becoming a dad, right, because yeah, of mean, some of this stuff. Like, um, you know, when you when you have a, a self-righteous attitude, is like, it's, it's all dependent on you. Yeah. And, and, and so, like, even now, I, I still have, you know, a lot of concern. Like, I want my daughter to know she's loved. Yeah. I want my daughter to know that, you know, if she's a, if she turns out to be a drug addict, um, you know, strung out, that she could come home and we will still love her. Right. Um, and we're still going to take care of her and we're still going to do the best for her. And that there is no area where she can go where she's too far away from us loving her. Right. I just, um, I just, I just, so now, now the concern more is not, not so much that I get it right. It's not so much that, you know, I, I, you know, I go on father's dates every Thursday or, or, uh, uh, um, or, you know, that she, you know, I play tea time or Barbie time with her or whatever. It's, it's, um, it's, I just, I, I want her, it's no longer about the specifics of, of particular actions. It's not that, you know, I get to, if she wants to be a football player, that I get to play football with her or whatnot. It's, it's, it's more in the fact that she knows that she's loved. Right. That no matter where she goes or what she does, that there she has a home and, and that she can come back. And that, um, that that's where, now that's where my concern is. Not in my particular actions, but that she feels loved. Right. And she would know love. Yeah, and that she would know love. And not the way that you grew up with love yeah. being kind of a, a warden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to stay away from. You don't, you don't need to earn it. Like, yeah. You don't need to struggle with that. You don't need to. And love that, doesn't just keep you in line for the sake of being in line. Yeah, love helps us be obedient to God because we're going to be obedient to something. Yep. And if we're obedient just to ourselves, that doesn't really help anybody. Yep. That's kind of like this, some of the stuff that I've learned with talking with religious folks. And there's a lot of pastors who listen to this podcast. And, and if there's anything that, that you can take away, it's it's really, from this interview, it's really um, in Pico's story. And what I love about you, dude, is learning this new definition of love and how pulling back these layers, you, you see that the world out there isn't out, try, out to get you. Mm. They're, they're not the enemy. They're the battlefield. Yeah. You know, and there's so much in... Christian religion especially that's kind of like I have to keep myself in line because the king is going to kick me out of the kingdom if I don't there's no blessed assurance there's no um, there's a world out there full of hurting people that need to know Jesus and he's helped me and he's helped you and it's that's really what I want folks to understand that it's not about minding your P's and Q's it's about knowing our Savior. And, and and the thing is is that our God loves us so much that when we mess up, God, our God's there. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like... You kind of grew up with the opposite... Yeah, it's, it, well, of, not only that, just the opposite, but it, it, it's that feeling that, you know, I messed up, and so when I God's turn to... God's disappointed. Yeah, that he's disappointed, <laughs> that he's not going to help me through it. 
It's right. like, no, you got yourself into it. Get yourself out of it. it God doesn't have that attitude. No, not at all. Um, Run, f- running to him yeah. and not from him. From afar, far, from afar off. Yeah. You ran towards him. Yeah. And uh, It's a different paradigm. It's then. a different paradigm. Yeah. Uh, it's just... You know, I'm this. I'm. I can see myself as a second son. I did everything the father wanted to do, but yet I'm outside grumbling. Yeah. How come you love him and you don't love me? It's like no, you. He was loving me the whole time. Right. Well, he wasn't loving me because I did everything right. He was loving me because I was his son. Right. That's getting into that. Uh, some of the some of the stuff I talked about doing the twelve steps and step eight and step nine, talking about making amends. And part of the, the the whole story of repentance, because people hear that word and go, "Oh, well, I, I uh, you know, I, I sinned against God, and now He's has has a hard time with me, and I I have to fix that." It's a it's the wrong way of thinking about repentance. So that story, and it's it's usually famously called in Christian circles, it's called the prodigal son mm-hmm. story. It's not just about one son, is it? It's about two sons, about two sons. and it's about a father. And, and the yeah. major character in the story is the father. Is the father. Yeah. Who runs to not just the son who screwed up his life with drugs and sex and wild living, yeah. but the son who's going what? Yeah, you're throwing this guy a party. Yeah, because he you're going to kill the fatted calf for that guy he was outside the party, right? Grumbling, and the father came out to him. Yeah, like that was also like both of those were taboos. One uh-huh. that the the man would run towards his one son and restore him. Um, but two, that he would come out to the other son and say, hey, yeah. basically begging him to come back. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you grumbling? Come back. We got our, we got, our, we got your brother back. Aren't you excited? Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> right. How dare he? How dare you restore him? Right. And it's like, no, it's, you don't, you don't earn the father's love. You just, you don't. It's, but from a religious perspective you think you did yeah I did everything right look at all the people I saved look at all the verses I did look at all the sermons I did it's like but you weren't doing it for you right because if you were it wasn't for him then and you weren't right you weren't good none of that was good right if you did it all for you but if you did it for him then it doesn't matter because God still loves you whether you did it or not. Right, right. So we've talked about that story before. And yeah. I, I'm on one end and, <laughs> and you're kind of on the other. That's what's yeah, was, awesome about... I always, uh, always fight the, like when you when, when people say it's the, the prodigal, the, you know, story of the prodigal son. It's like, yeah. no, it's actually a story of two sons. <laughs> yeah, there's two it, guys in the story. It doesn't say prodigal son. It doesn't yeah. say that, but because, you know, as a church, I, 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 and this is an issue with most of Christianity, I feel... Is that we we kind of reach the wayward people and not realize that the people in the church also needs to be saved too. That's right. Like some some of us good children who who did everything. We we went to Sunday school and everything. It's like no, you still need Jesus. Yeah. Jesus still needs to save you, even though you never dealt with a drug issue, even though you never dealt with a porn addiction, even though you never dealt with gambling or whatnot. Jesus needs to save you from your pride. Yeah. Your pride is not good enough. Your pride is not going to save you. When you reach, when you die and go to heaven, God's not going to look at your pride and say, "Well done, my good and faithful son or servant." You're going to go to hell with everyone else. Yeah. And it's going to suck. Jesus says, "I'll never knew you." I never knew you. Never knew you. Look at That's... all the good things I did for you in your name. It's like I never knew you. Yeah, and I didn't you, know. Can you, you imagine being so close? Like you probably even led people to be saved. 
and yet you never accept the salvation yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. But it is also, it's toxic, you know. I agree with that term that some of that attitude is just toxic, it's man. Very toxic. It hurts people. It, it has, and here's the biggest, the biggest lie that, that, that people believe, you know, kind of like what you were talking about, that I have to be good enough to earn God's love, which is a, a totally jacked up way of defining love. And second of all, that attitude has people, it's in Matthew 23, Jesus talks about, um, and he's talking to the religious people, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, you slam the doors of the kingdom of God in people's faces, you know, and that's part of it. We, uh, we have to be careful not to um, present God as someone that people should run from and not to. Just because I may be gifted towards this, you know, this area of discipline in my life doesn't mean that that I'm any better than anybody yeah. else, you know. It's also a very dangerous place because, like, your theology gets weird. Yeah. It's like you can get to a place where you think you're a good person. And so, and you've done all these good things. And now you do this one bad thing. It's like, oh, I looked at the little porn. Right. And Oh no! Well, God forgives me because of all the good stuff I did. <laughs> Look at all the good stuff I did, and, and so you get to. Uh, and this is one of the issues that happened in my last church is that um, we had someone who was he wrote these books and he he preached every Sunday and he did all this other stuff and he was having an affair on the side, and he even said like I I thought God wasn't um, I thought I was doing all this good stuff so God would not. Concerned, he wouldn't be concerned about this other stuff. Right. And it's like, well, God doesn't work like that. Yeah, no. But that's the thing that religious people, like myself, have to be concerned about is that that if we if we look at ourselves as good and holy and righteous, is that is that if we are good and holy and righteous, that means everything we do. This is how our theology can come. That everything we good is good, holy, and righteous. Like, oh no, it's just a way for us to release steam. It's like, no, that's no, no that's a bad thing. It's that's evil. Sin. That's yeah. that's wicked. Yeah, and it's putting out a ripple effect yep. that is in the dark and yep. hidden and not dealt with and hurting other people. Yeah, yeah, especially yourself. Exactly, it's hurting our definition of love, mm-hmm. our definition of freedom. Yep. Those two words, defining those two words in, in culture today, is something I, I constantly challenge both atheists and religious people on, mm-hmm. because we, it's not something we we think about. We think we know, but we don't. Um, Pico, thanks again for being on the podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, you do some uh, volunteer work at the the Gospel Mission, yeah, and uh, preaching to homeless folks and stuff like that on yeah. Sunday, and and you get people come up and ask questions and yeah. different folks, different walks of life, and and it's really cool because it, it's it's one of those things that and we talked about. You know, first time you know I um, I was preaching there, it was all about my sermon, making sure it's right, it's <laughs> right. worded right, and whatnot. And now it's more about I want people to meet Jesus, uh-huh. and I don't care if people don't like me. Uh-huh. I don't care if they don't think I'm, I'm articulate or, or if I said the right things or got it just right. I want people to know that there's a God who loves them, who's reaching His hand out for them, yeah. who, who's, who's desperately like, please reach for me. Because right. I loved you so much that I gave you my son. 
Yeah. I've given you my word. I've done all this stuff in your life that you don't even know about. And I'm not asking for credit. I just want you to know me. Right. That there's a God that, that desires that. And in the, even in the middle of your, your dirt and your grime and your muck, whatever that looks like, you could be a... You can be a, a high stakes New York, you know, broker, but your pride in your in your broker, your pride in your the way you live your life, that's still the same muck that the person on the street who's begging for a dollar. That's the same muck. It, it, yeah, it, it looks different to us because we're like, oh well, I don't smell. It's like, but your 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 pride is disgusting. Yeah. It's, pungent it's self-righteousness pungent. Yeah. Kind of yeah, your thing. self-righteousness is pungent yeah. and, and God still is reaching for you too yeah knows every not distant yeah, knows not every distant. hair in our he's head close. he's close yeah like yeah. the father mm-hmm. with the two sons mm-hmm. Pico thanks again for being on the podcast um I'd like to close this out in prayer um if there's anything that you feel on your heart to say to maybe somebody listening who maybe has this thing in the dark um, struggles with, with this addiction and, and has some stuff in the dark and, and maybe feels like they have to prove it I mean we've talked a lot about that but let's let's pray for some of those guys okay. if you don't mind praying us out oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, Father I thank you that you love us that you loved us first that is not that we somehow earn it, we somehow gain it, we somehow get the right to it because then we would lose it. Like we could we could lose it. But Father, you love us. That you work for us. That the the way you came to us is not in a way of like serve me or die. You you come to us like I love you. I've given you my son. It's only through love that you, we, 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 we see that. Uh, like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine with my new daughter coming to me. I couldn't imagine um, giving up my daughter. But you gave up your son for us. Father, I thank you for just releasing us from, from uh, performance. Father, I thank you for releasing us from being good enough. Father, I thank you for, being, for releasing us from from all this stuff that we put on ourselves you know Jesus I thank you for saying that you know when when someone asks you good teacher it's like why call me good there's no there's none good besides God I thank you for releasing the even the term of good that we don't deserve the term of good and because of that we don't we don't need to aspire for it we don't need to we don't need to strive for it but that you you loved us first that you didn't come to condemn the world you came here to save us. That you were good enough and that we can rely on you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for just just showing us what this looks like. What does it mean to have a father in heaven? What does it mean to have a big brother who who cares for us, who who wants to be there for us, who 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 just just wants to take care of us and and, and pull us aside and, and show us what what we could do better, but but more importantly, who who pulls us aside because he he actually is genuinely concerned about us. Hmm. And 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 thank you, God, that that is just you're always there. That no matter where we are, no matter no matter what country we're in, no matter what 
what what stage of life we're in, no matter if we're on our our deathbed or or just being born, that you're there. You're there for us. You're there with us. And that we can always come to you. Not as a king requesting. But you are king. We we recognize that. But as a father. To sit on your lap and, and play with you. That you come down and play Legos with us. <laughs> Dad, thank you for being there. And I thank you for just showing us how good you really are. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pico. And... Till next time, bye. In the valley, oh God, you're near. In the quiet, oh God, you're near. In the shadows, oh God, you're near. And my breaking, oh God, you're near. Conquerors through the one who loves